Nats Chat is brought to you by Walters. Make sure that you check out Walters' self-pour beer wool. Included on tap is Baby Shark IPA, Sunny Little Thing, Grapefruit Nectar, and more. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Alcantara sets the kick, the 2-2 pitch, swing a ground ball up the middle, sheeted that way, Wendell has it, he races to the bag ahead of Boyd for the force play, and the game is over, the Marlins have won it, and Sandy Alcantara has done it again, his record of great success against the Nationals continues, he notches his fifth complete game of the year in his 30th start, and picks up his 13th win of the season. And welcome to Nats Chat for Monday, September 19th, 2022, along with MadisonSports.com Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman, who was at Nationals Park, a Malgaldi host of the Algaldi podcast. Well, go figure, the Nats on Sunday afternoon and their attempt at their first series sweep of the season got by far their best pitch game of this three-game series against the Miami Marlins at Nationals Park, and yet this was the game that the Nats lost. A 3-1 loss. Nats fall to a major league worst 51-95. and Anibal Sanchez pitched well for a fifth time in six starts, but the Nats were facing Sandy Alcantara, and he continued to make his National League side young case. Continued a season in which he has owned the Nats a complete game. One run on seven hits, one walk, a hit by pitch, seven strikeouts. He threw 103 pitches, 77 strikes versus Amir 26 balls. Alcantara now this season, 30 starts, ERA of 237. And he has done this over having thrown a major league leading 212 two-thirds innings. There are starting pitchers with better ERAs this season than Alcantara's ERA this season. But in terms of run prevention plus volume of work, Mark, I'm not sure that anybody has been better than Sandy Alcantara has been this season. No, and that's why if I had a Cy Young vote and I don't this year, I'm pretty sure I would be giving it to him. And that's no disrespect to guys like Jacob deGrom and others who are outstanding and are dominant. But what Alcantara is doing and has done for a couple of years now, this is truly an old school style of pitching where he goes the distance. The Marlins never even had anybody move a muscle in the bullpen. It was never a question. Even if he got into trouble, he was going to finish that ninth inning no matter what. He is that good. He consistently does that. He's over 200 innings on the season. And a guy who has both the incredible stuff between 100-mile-an-hour fastball, 94-mile-an-hour changeup, a 90-mile-an-hour slider, and throws it in the zone and gets himself quick outs to the extent that he can have such a low pitch count and take the mound in the ninth inning with only 90 pitches on the day. Who are you going to find who does that this day and age? It is really something special. And 
I don't fault the Nats at all for the approach. They tried to get it, take him out early. They tried to be aggressive. It didn't work. They had seven hits, just wasn't enough. I can't fault them for that. This guy is the best pitcher on the planet right now. And in my mind, he is the Cy Young. Really has blossomed in recent years. And uh, it'll be interesting to see who he's pitching for in a few years because you know that he's not long for the Marlins. No good player ever is. I think maybe the ultimate testament of the greatness of Sandy Alcantara, though, is this. So if I asked you, well, who has been the Nats' hottest hitter lately? Pretty good chance you say Lane Thomas. If you don't say him right away, you probably say him within the first few names that you do say. So fearful was Davey Martinez of Lane Thomas facing Sandy Alcantara on Sunday that Davey did not have Lane Thomas in the lineup. You know, as we're in the midst of a period of time in which the Nats are really lacking in like major league caliber batters, here you have a guy who's been hitting well. Davey doesn't even have Thomas in the lineup. And when you guys asked Davey about this prior to the game, Davey made no secret as to why. He basically said Lane has been hitting well. I want him to continue hitting well. I have to be honest, I'm not sure how I feel about that, like not having Thomas in the lineup out of fear. But yeah, I think that says something about the dominance of Sandy Alcantara. Well, let's also point out that Lane's career numbers against him are 0 for 11 with six strikeouts. So there's a little bit of a track record there that says he can't touch him, not that anybody can. I get what you're saying. You want to put your best possible lineup out there and give yourself a chance. And maybe he would have given them some kind of uh, additional opportunity to win this game. But you also say if four at-bats against Sandy Alcantara are going to throw you off so much that come the next day you've lost whatever good mojo you had at the plate, I can understand that as well. There's no right answer here. There's no good way to try to go against him. Like I said, seven hits. There were some decent at-bats. Luke Voigt had three hits off of him. They got that run in the fourth. They had a great opportunity in the eighth. And two on, two out. Your boy Cesar Hernandez at the plate, he scalded a ball right back up the middle of center field. Just happened to hit it directly at the center fielder. If that ball is a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right, it might get down. And we're talking about the biggest clutch hit of Cesar Hernandez's season and the Nats maybe even beating Alcantara. So I can't find a whole lot of fault here with what they did. And just, you know, you hate to say it, but you tip your cap to the guy. He's he's really, really good. Yeah, I do, though, kind of laugh when managers and people bring up like the small sample sizes for batters against pitchers. And that's a reason to like be concerned about this guy facing that guy. I mean, 0 for 11 is bad. I understand that. And probably Alcantara would have had his way with Thomas. I mean, he has his way with just about everybody Alcantara does. But geez, 0 for 11 is not that much of a sample size. The Nats lineup on Sunday was Alex Cole in the leadoff spot and Cesar Hernandez in the number two spot. I mean, you really felt like you were better off going in that direction than having Lane Thomas with how well he's been batting? I don't know. I mean, would it have made a difference? Probably not, but I just got a kick out of that. You know, the other thing, too, when you're facing a Sandy Alcantara is you probably shouldn't be running yourselves uh, into outs, but the Nats, they have a penchant for doing that this season, and sure enough, they did that in this game on Sunday afternoon. So first of all, what happened with Alex Call in the bottom of the first? You know, the Nats got the leadoff man on the very first batter who faced Alcantara in this game. Alex Call drew a leadoff hit by pitch. Okay, we'll take it. But he then got doubled up for the third out on a Joey Manessa's fly out to right fielder Brian Anderson, as it looked like, and the TV cameras didn't really capture this all that much, but looked like Cole got deked big time by the Marlins infield, and he just got suckered into being doubled off. Yeah, so he's running on the pitch, so he's already got a head start and doesn't really know where the ball is when it goes up in the air, and he gets to second base, and 
look, I'll give him credit for this. Miguel Rojas deked him. He made it seem like there was a throw coming to him at second base. So Call had to pause, look around like, where is it? Where's the ball? Had no idea. It was just a routine fly ball to right field. By the time he realizes it, he's got to get on his horse to go back to first base. And it was way too late for that to happen. You know, rookie mistake, you can say that. And you know, against a pitcher like that, you really can't afford to make any mistakes, give him any extra outs. But also some props to Miguel Rojas for pulling off a pretty good deke there and leaving Alex Call completely flummoxed and having no idea where the ball was. Yeah, and we've seen Call have some base running issues here during his time at the major league level with the Nats. The other base running issue for the Nats in this game, and this is a little different than the Alex Call boo-boo, but we in this game had yet another RBI sack fly double play, which I believe is the third one we've seen in recent weeks in Nats games. This has been coming up a lot, it feels like, and it's a bizarre play. 1-0 pitch, hit in the air to left field, moving in and toward the line. De La Cruz makes the catch. Here comes Call trying to score. De La Cruz fires, and it's way off line. The run scores throw to second, and Manessis is tagged out by John Birdie. So that'll be a double play, but a sacrifice fly double play. And the Nationals get the tying run. It's 1-1. One one. Put out will go 7-2-4 with Manessis out going to second. What did you see on that play? Like, to what extent did Manessis screw up on that play or, or did he not screw up? Yeah, I think he did a little bit. Sometimes you would say, okay, it's okay for that trailing runner to be thrown out if you are drawing the throw away to then allow the runner to score. But the throw right immediately was going to the plate. There was an intention to try to throw call out of the plate. It was just an offline throw up the line, catcher cuts it off, and then throws out Manessis at second. So I don't know this was worth that gamble. But again, you're facing the best pitcher in the big leagues. You have an opportunity in your mind either to prevent, to, to make sure you allowed that first runner score and maybe get yourself in a scoring position now with two outs for the next hitter. So I, I get the aggressiveness there. But it did look bad because the throw was so offline. The catcher Stallings had an easy play just to throw it down to second base and get him out. It really wasn't that close. So the Nats in this game, like we said, just seven hits. Six of the hits were singles. The Nats alone extra base hit in this game did come from C.J. Abrams, who continues to show signs of coming out as an offensive player. Remember, he and the Nats win on Friday night, went one for three with a big two-run triple. That came on a one-two pitch, and Abrams in this game on Sunday afternoon, bottom of the fifth, a two-out opposite field hustle double to left field despite having been down in that count at 1.12. It did have an error in this game, a fielding error on a grounder off the bat of John Birdie in the top of the fifth. Okay, fine. I don't think anyone's concerned about his defense, but the hitting is coming around. It feels like every game or so we're talking about this. And again, it's not just singles, extra base hits, and he had a good looking double in this game. Yeah, and it's good at bats. We've seen him do it against lefties. You see him now here do it against a really, really, really good right-hander and going the other way, not being afraid to just get the bat on the ball, find a place to hit it to. And that was a hustle double as well. So, I mean, he didn't have to hold up at first. He went for it and did a nice job to turn it into a double and again, get himself in scoring position with two outs. He also hit the ball hard in the eighth inning, line drive to right field for the first out of the inning. So, you are seeing more and more good, comfortable at bats for him, even when facing tough pitchers. He's not striking out a whole lot. Remember early on he was, he's really not striking out. So he's making contact. There's a lot to like there. I mean, I think there's still room for improvement. He's going to continue to grow as a hitter physically. And also just the more experience that he gets, having a better idea of what he's trying to do at the plate. But as has been the case for weeks now, there's just a lot to like there. And you can see where this thing is going and it's going in the right direction. And you mentioned Luke Voigt. So he had himself another multi-hit game on Sunday afternoon, three for four, 
with three singles. Voight in the game on Friday night, two for three with two singles and a walk. Voight in the game on Saturday, one for three with a solo homer and a walk. So he ended up having himself a nice series, you know, maybe not so coincidentally with him as a starting DH in all three games in this series, focusing on the hitting, hitting pretty well. I got a kick out of this during the game. Bob Carpenter, who we know always, you know, plays it down the middle, right? He's not one to necessarily give his opinions on a lot of things. Even he said during the game when Voight got another hit, he said something to the effect of, boy, I can't wait to watch him as the DH next year. Or boy, he's going to get a lot of hits for us as a DH next year. Even Bob is acknowledging that uh, Nelly Cruz probably not long for the Nats and uh, that Luke Voigt is, in fact, a position to be the Nats regular DH next year. So good for you, Bob. I got a kick out of that. Yeah. And this also is on a day in which Joey Manessis made a nice defensive play at first base, further underscoring the idea that he seems to be better suited for that position with Voight as the DH. What I liked about the Voight at bats in this game, and he's known Alcantara. They actually came up together with the Cardinals way back when. So he has seen him for a long time and seen him develop into this guy. He understood. Luke Voight's a big swing guy. Okay, you're going to try to cut loose and hit the ball a mile. He understood against Alcantara, that stuff and that movement, you can't do that. You've got to be willing to just get the bat on the ball and try to hit it somewhere where they ain't in the field. And so a couple of those hits are opposite field. So good on him for having the right approach in this game. It's not necessarily the approach that he usually takes at the plate, but he understood on this day against that pitcher, that's what he needed to do. So Nelson did not play at all in this series. I mean, look, we talk about him and I, as I always say, I mean, none of this is personal. He's out with this left eye issue. Do we know how he's doing? I mean, is this a serious thing, what he's dealing with, with the left eye? Well, I mean, he's around. It's not like he's, uh, you know, restricted from being around anybody. He He's not wearing special glasses, anything like that. But he's taking antibiotic drops in his eyes. And so this is something that takes a while to go away. And at the moment, he's still having some trouble seeing clearly. So, you know, that's a problem. But I'll be interested here. You know, we're down to what? The final 16 games the rest of the way. And I'm not saying that they're just going to shut him down totally. I think there'll be an opportunity as long as he's feeling well enough to come back and play. But there's probably an acknowledgement here that we're just about at the end of the road, for at least for this season for him. And maybe he's okay with that. Maybe they are finally okay with that as well. When you see how this lines up differently without him, it really is a better arrangement for them as a team. Yeah, I think they should probably not play him again this year. I don't know if they will do that, but I would not have an issue with that. I don't think many people listening would. Hey guys, it's Al Galdi for Window Nation. Pennant races in baseball are on and Window Nation is coming through in the clutch. Think of Window Nation as the 2019 Nats. You right now can get new windows from Window Nation at half price. Two free windows with every two windows that you buy, plus pay nothing with no interest until 2025. Visit windownation.com or call 866-90NATION and make sure that you tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. Lower your energy bills and raise the value of your home with new energy-efficient windows from Window Nation. Over 1,500 custom vinyl window options are available. And if you're wondering, well, do I need new windows? Well, if your current windows are sticky or drafty or cracked or hard to open or lock when the windows close, then you need new windows. Get yourself Window Nation windows and take advantage of this great offer Two free windows for every two windows that you buy, plus pay nothing with no interest until 2025. Visit windownation.com or call 866-90NATION. That's windownation.com or 866-90NATION. And make sure that you tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. 
The way I take care of my mind is daily exercise. It is essential for me. There are plenty of ways to support a healthy brain, like learning a new language or taking power naps. There's also BetterHelp Online Therapy. Everyone I know who does therapy swears by it. It feels like all I hear these days is how you have to start doing therapy. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat-only therapy sessions. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you don't have to fight traffic or look for parking. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash NatsChat. That's Better, H-E-L-P dot com slash NatsChat. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The 2-1. Swing a long drive, left center field. Hernandez drifting back, looking up. This one's got a chance, and it is gone. It is long gone, in fact, into the first row of tables. And the Brewhouse restaurant, Garrett Cooper with his ninth homer of the season, puts Miami in front of the sixth inning, 2-1. Uh, Speaking of the end of the road, we thought that Anibal Sanchez was at the end of the road, and maybe he still is, but Ole Anibal on Sunday afternoon pitched well for a fifth time in six starts, and if you take out his previous outing, which came in that bizarro rain-delayed game against the Philadelphia Phillies now two Sundays ago, remember we in that game had that rain delay of three hours, 36 minutes, Anibal in that game, one run in two innings, then did not return to the game after the rain delay. You could argue, well, he's pitched well in each of his last five true legitimate starts. Uh, Annabelle on Sunday afternoon, two runs in six innings. He gave up just four hits, a homer, a double, and two singles. Issued two walks and a hit by pitch. Three strikeouts through 94 pitches over his six innings. 57 strikes versus 37 balls. It's amazing, but it is true. Right now, the Nats' most reliable, consistent starting pitcher is Annabelle Sanchez. And who in their right Nationals mind, would have ever thought that we'd be saying that deep into the month of September. I'd like you to say that again, Al, just for the record here, because that is an astonishing statement from you here on September 18th. Go ahead and say that again. Yes. Now, let me also say this. I think it says as much about others as it does about (laughs) Anibal Sanchez, but I will go ahead and say it again. The Nats' most reliable, consistent starting pitcher right now 
is Anibal Sanchez. And I do give him credit because he looked like a wreck earlier in this season. And he has been a lot better lately. So, I mean, like we keep saying, I don't know what it means. I don't think that this means that he should be back with the team next season, but he is doing a good job. And for whatever that's worth, I think we should acknowledge that. He gives them a chance to win. That's all you can ask in those situations. And look, this is even with the short, you know, rain shortened start, six starts now with a one five three ERA. And this was the first time that he'd given up more than one run in any of them. He's not giving up hits. He's having a little trouble with some walks, which has come back to, to bite him a little bit. But in a way, it's almost like by dancing around the zone and maybe you walk a couple extra batters, but you don't give in and give him anything over the plate. Uh, he's actually avoiding the big hit. There was the one big hit in this game, the home run to Garrett Cooper, and that was a pitch over the zone and Annabelle was kicking himself for doing that. But there's something going on here that is working for him. It took him a long time. He is in a groove right now. He probably, when this is all said and done, isn't going to want to walk away because he's pitching as well as he has in three years. What that means down the road, I have no idea. But if he wants to keep pitching again, somebody may give him an opportunity, whether it's the Nationals or somebody else. But, you know, this team, this rotation needs an innings eater who can just give you a chance to win. I don't think that we ever thought that he'd be the one. We're thinking that should be Patrick Corbin, Eric Fetty, somebody else. It has not been. Anibal Sanchez, if you knew going into it that he was the guy who would give you innings and give you a chance and be a mentor for the young starters in rotation, you'd take that. The problem is you can't just go into next season saying, oh yeah, Anibal at age 38, 39 would absolutely be the right guy for that job. No, I mean, he's only made 12 major league starts this year. He had that cervical neck impingement and that kept him out for it felt like forever earlier in the season. I mean, I do think that it says a lot about a lot that in this month of September, we sing the praises of Anibal Sanchez and not of Josiah Gray or Eric Fetty or Patrick Corbin or Cade Cavalli or somebody else. You know, like that's a big part of why we are where we are, that Anibal Sanchez is your ace in the middle of September. But that's not Anibal Sanchez's fault. Like he can't control those other things. He's just here to pitch well and prolong his career. And to the extent that he's doing that, I do give the guy credit. I'll also say this, you know, the Nats rarely, if ever, fix people. You certainly could say they have fixed Anibal to at least some extent this season. Now, again, what it means, we don't know, and I'm not going to go crazy with it. But, you know, if we're going to harp on the Nats for guys getting worse under their watch, it is true that Anibal this season has gotten better under their watch. So I don't know if Jim Hickey has done extensive work with Anibal. I don't know if this is just Anibal doing stuff on his own. Maybe this is just Anibal getting healthy and getting into a groove and nobody's really done much of anything. But he has gotten better here as this season has gone on. Yeah. And doing it while working with young catchers. You know, we know he's calling the shots. He is game planning these things. It's not Caber Ruiz. It's certainly not Israel Pineda who got the start behind the plate in this game. But credit to him. He's figured something out. His body feels right. And he's showing that he can have some success. Again, I don't know if he can do that over the long haul, if you can count on him to stay healthy for a whole season. But at this point, it's been very valuable to them as a team and as a rotation to be able to hand him the ball every five days and say, hey, go give us a chance to win. He's doing that. That's bullpen on Sunday. Three Nats relievers combined to allow one run in three innings. Mason Thompson, scoreless top of the seventh. Andres Machado, scoreless top of the eighth. Jordan Weems allowed a run in the top of the ninth. So next up for the Nats is a six-game road trip, three games at the Atlanta Braves, then three games at the Marlins. Boy, who can wait for that? Another weekend series, Nats-Marlins next weekend. But here's the deal. So this three-game series at the Braves, game one, the Nats starting pitcher will be Corey Abbott. Game two, the Nats starting pitcher will be Patrick Corbin. Game three, 
the Nats starting pitcher has not yet been named. Now, in theory, that would be Josiah Gray. I know Davey Martinez on Friday night said the idea is to have Josiah Gray keep pitching. What do you think is the holdup here regarding announcing a starting pitcher for game three at the Braves? I think the question in their mind is, do we have him pitch on normal four days rest and pitch that day against a very good Braves lineup in Atlanta? Or do we give him an extra day and have him face the Marlins again in Miami? Maybe more favorable matchup, give him some more rest, which they've been talking about doing all along. If it's not him, it's probably Paolo Espino on Wednesday. He has kind of found himself back in the bullpen here and just waiting for a chance to start again. It is interesting that that Wednesday game lines up for Mackenzie Gore. But I asked Davey, would that be an option? He said, no, he's making at least one more rehab start. He's not ready for that yet. But that is interesting that they have them either intentionally or unintentionally on the same day. So maybe the next turn after that, that would uh, line it up for uh, Tagore to come back. I get what they're doing here. Is it really best, given where Josiah is at right now, to throw him to the Wolves at uh, Truist Park and face the Braves lineup on a probably warm Wednesday afternoon in Atlanta? Or do you say, hey, take an extra day, go face the Marlins under the roof in the cavernous whatever that ballpark's called now, Lone Depot Park, and let Paolo Spino take his chances against Atlanta on Wednesday. So uh, we'll see what they announce, but that's the reasoning behind it, why they haven't announced anything yet. Poor Paolo, that he would be thrown to the Wolves <laughs> to face the Braves in the middle of a pennant race like that. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say, too, Josiah lately pitching on this extra rest has not been doing so well. So I don't, I mean, I don't know that that's the reason, but that does kind of stand out. He's been given ample rest between outings lately, and he still has been struggling. You know, I'm glad the Nats won two or three games against the Marlins. You know, you looked at the final 19 games of the Nats regular season, all against National League East teams. I mean, this stretch had the potential to be bloody. And look, it still has the potential to be bloody, to get ugly, to be gory. And at least you did take two or three for Miami. And maybe hopefully things aren't so bad over these remaining two weeks and change here of the Nats season. But obviously things could get rough. Three games at the Braves, three games at the Marlins, then a three-game home series against Atlanta, then a four-game series against Philadelphia, then a three-game series at the Mets. This is a difficult final few-week run here for the Nats. Yeah, and I think the key in their mind, and they, they won't come out and say this, but to me, the key is don't get swept by any of these. You know, Find a way to win one of those games in those three-game series against the really good teams and at least one, if not two, against the Phillies when they come here next weekend. I would say that the difference right now versus maybe earlier in the summer when they were just getting bludgeoned by those teams, they are getting, for the most part, decent starting pitching. They're giving them a chance. The defense has been a whole lot better. And this lineup is putting together hits and scoring some runs in spite of the fact that there's no real big names in there. So even when they've lost, they've been competitive games. And I think that's been a big difference from what we saw, let's say, in July and maybe first half of August when, you know, they go face the Braves or the Phillies and they're down 7 nothing in the fourth inning and all hope is lost. So let's see. The Braves are really, really good. We know they hit. We know they pitched. They do everything. Can these guys keep the games close and give them at least a chance against them? Find a way to scratch out at least one win there. You would hope so. Go to Miami, maybe win two out of three against them. And now you go into the final stretch and, and hope for the best. But it is a really difficult schedule for them. We know that they are absolutely going to impact who wins the NL East, facing both the Braves and the Mets the rest of the way. That is one of the only 
division races that's still up for grabs, and it is significant who wins that division and who doesn't. You win the division, you go automatically to the best of five NLDS. You lose the division, you're now hosting a best of three wildcard series against maybe the Padres, maybe the Phillies. So there's a lot at stake actually in these games. The Braves are 91 and 55. Their run differential is plus 168. The Nats run differential is minus 210. There is a 378 run difference between the two teams' run differentials. It's to give you a sense of how good the Braves have been this season, but that doesn't mean that the Nats can't win a game or two at Atlanta this week. We shall see. You tell us what you think. Hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the podcast, NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram too, at NatsChatPodcast. You can get yourself or someone who you know a Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt by going to NatsChatPodcast.square.site. And do not forget the first ever Nats Chat Podcast party, Friday night, October 14th at 7 at Walters, right across the street from Nationals Park. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi, and we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. And a swing and a pop-up down the right field line. Long chase Manessis trying to close on it, reaching, and makes an over-the-shoulder basket catch. So Manessis using his outfield skills to run down that foul pop-up for the second out for Anibal Sanchez. He looked off the ball to see where he was. He had plenty of room in relation to the stands. Like he's been doing that all his life. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware.